Hello and welcome to another episode of the UK Airshow Review Podcast, the podcast we started when we had no airshows to review. My name is Sam Wise, you'll know me as Wissam24 on the forums, and with me today are... Ian Garfield, originally titled Ian G. Tom, Tommy on the forum. You... Everyone knows my turn now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like saying Tom it's, Jones. It, it's the... more the way you, you said it, like you were about to carry on and say something else. Tom, Tommy on the forum. <laughs> Monkey Spank 01 on Halo Online. When I used to play it because I was an immature teenager. And uh, Cat Lover 32 on Cats R Us forum. I, I'm only joking. Uh, well, uh, thanks for joining us, Monkey Spank. Um, Monkey Spank underscore z- zero one on Halo Online. I mean, if the Halo servers are still up, well, I'm very much there. Oh, uh, I, dread, I dread to think. <laughs> I dread to think. <laughs> restart? I... <laughs> Leave it in. Leave it in. Back, back. We're back to our... Re- in case you hadn't guessed it, folks, we're back to our regularly scheduled programming of talking <laughs> dumb shit about planes. We 100% have not got a guest on this evening. <laughs> <laughs> after, after last week's um, marathon react content output uh we're back for another regular one just just talking about the hobby about air shows obviously dan and dom aren't with us today but that's fine um today we're going to talk about what has certainly become in the last probably 20 years or so uh one of the defining features of the hobby and that is photography obviously once much less of a, a big deal with airshow goers and aviation enthusiasts, but with the advent of digital cameras has absolutely become almost essential. Most people are probably photographers these days in some uh, form of an, form or another. So sort of, sort of what's prompted this is, is the discussion we've been having about the fact that obviously over lockdown, without having weekly or other weekly or, or whatever, um, new photo sets to be going over with air shows and, and, and trips out it's actually been a good reason or a good excuse to go over old photos and uh, you know apply modern knowledge and w- what we know now to stuff we didn't necessarily know what we were doing at the time um, and have, have you guys been finding that? Ian? Well, I've been going through and scanning some old photos um, I think I started scanning? Yeah, what do, what do you need to scan an SD card for, Ian? <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> um, I, I I must have started doing photography. Uh, I don't know, late nineties, something like that. So I've got a load of photos, um, mostly on film. I've got some slides I'm to go through, um, but uh, yeah, mostly prints. Uh, it's it's strange. I, I was thinking going through uh, some of these these scans that. I must have gone to Fairford or something like that, thinking, oh, yeah, I'm all buoyed up. I've got six rolls of film in, in my bag now. I think, oh, my God. I, <laughs> like, okay, six rolls of 36 slide film. And I must get through, I don't know, how many 64 gig SD cards nowadays mm. at a Fairford weekend. It's just, oh, it's ridiculous, utterly ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, going, going through these photos, I, I've got, you know, some real gems that I didn't realise uh, obviously don't realise at the time what you're taking so I, I found some nice things like some nice French Mirages uh, some nice French Jaguars uh, a lot of this the Swedish stuff as well Draken and Vegan I'm thinking oh god yeah this is great these were the days and it, it's been really good I haven't put any of these on Flickr or on the forum because I'm still getting through sort of tagging them and labelling them but then that leads me on to going from 
film into digital, which was about 2005. And if I look at the photos that I took then, oh my God, I've, some of these I would have put on the internet. I'm looking at them now, they're just absolutely crap, diabolical. <laughs> and you think at the time, yeah, 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 yeah these are right, these are Di- possible. Diabolical in what way? Not so much out of focus, yeah. I think just soft. Um, yeah. you, you might have thought they were passable at the time. But, yeah, the things, that 2004, 2005, I think was when I had my first digital camera, which was a 350D, I think it was. I had an old Pentax film camera, then a Canon film camera, and then I went to, I think it would have been the 350D. And I had a 75-300 to 300 lens, which I bought with my friend Peter. We both had both bought one at the same time. And his seemed to be spot on. Mine was soft all the time, and uh, it was just really frustrating. And I used it for about five or six years, and the photos that I took, obviously that time. Um, going through them now, I, I'm really, really annoyed, especially some ones that I put on uh, on the on this day thread of Jaguars at Cosford when they arrived. Looking through those, trying to get them, because I hadn't put those, published those on the internet. And I found them on my hard drive, looking at them. I thought, oh God, these are just crap utterly crap and at the time <laughs> like yeah okay so it's more of like a, like a record shot yeah it's a really bittersweet thing isn't it the, the, my first year of aviation photography was 2013 and um, I got a, a DSLR for my 21st and I managed to cobble together some money to buy the cheapest um, 70 to 300 mil lens available which is a Tamron but like it had, mm. <laughs> had no image stabilisation or anything it was really awful like just a massive bag of junk um, I've still got it actually I can't really bring myself to sell it because it well it's probably not worth anything I probably have to pay someone to take it off my hands um, it's that bad but yeah it, it's always um, very bittersweet I was looking back through my 2013 um, uh, images which was only seven years ago but still seven years ago um, and it's really good to sort of look back and go oh yeah neat yeah, I saw that that's, that's really cool I forgot mm. about that and they go oh Christ I've absolutely been the photo of it <laughs> do you know it's interesting you say that because actually I've had slightly the opposite experience looking through my old photos and, and kind of only going back to a similar time, particularly looking, doing Riat and Yeovilton and Waddington. Did I do Yeovilton? But we, Waddington 2013 and 14 and Riat's of the same period and actually finding more photos than I would have thought I could use. Because certainly when I look back at my sort of 2011, 2012 stuff, and it was really only tw- 2013 when I got a 70D was when I started taking the photography actually seriously because it was like I've got a really good camera here let's actually learn how to use it and think about what I'm doing with photography and then actually after that the next big step was joining the UCAR team and realising I had to take it up to another level to get the photos for the articles and all that stuff but it's 2011-2012 I mean they were properly garbage it was like it wasn't that I didn't know anything about photography because I'd been taking pictures for quite a while um, with an old I've still got it here actually I can't remember what it's called, but it's like properly old bridge camera. Um, but it was like I didn't take into account anything like framing, like cr- cutting the nose off or cutting the tail off or just people standing in front of the plane at an air show. But then looking at 2013 and that era, and actually going over the old photos, I found more stuff that back then I wouldn't have thought to do anything with because I just didn't get how the photo would have worked. Whereas now I've been able to do stuff with. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That that's correct to an extent. Um, I haven't really done it during lockdown, but I went through 2013-14 photography and re-edited a couple of my images, and I went through that weird and stupid obsession that something's not worth touching if you can't see the cockpit. 
but when you go back over them you realise there's actually a lot more there that's worthwhile um, because all I wanted in 2013 and 14 was sunlit topsides and um, well, I just didn't realise what it was at the time that I was after but it was those types of photos but looking back um, I said to myself hey there's, you know, there's a little bit more, more here than I thought mm. um, but there's still the really frustrating stuff like cutting yeah. the wheels off like like, why yeah. did I do that why did I cut the wheels off you cut the wheels off an aircraft on the ground it just looks wrong and there's not a huge amount you can do unless you well, then really you just arty. sort of prop it right in onto like, the, the front of it yeah yeah re- really go for it and try and make something of it but as a base photograph cutting the wheels off um I did prolifically because I was like, well, you know, the main aircraft's in. So, <laughs> so you're absolutely right. But that's something that I had to go through. Yeah, every everyone is crap at everything when they start it. You know, no one's good at FIFA when they start it. No one's good at photography when they start it. Even if you read all the books and watch all the YouTube videos, of which are thousands, because you have to do it and you have to develop your own style and what you like. Hundred percent. Yeah, you can have the best body and the best lens possible and still cut wheels off because you're not looking through it or you're not taking that into account in the viewfinder. So you know, you've got to cut your teeth at some point. And looking back, it's like, oh, Christ. But if I didn't do it then, when would I? The next year? I miss all of the stuff that year? Or the year after that? The next year? year after that? So yeah, ha- that sort of learning has to happen at some point. Yeah. It, it has been really good going back over the old photos and finding pictures of stuff that I had absolutely no appreciation of at the time like looking at Waddington 2013 the, having having a picture of a Dutch SAR AB412 that at the time I meant nothing to me and didn't have any appreciation for exactly you know what uh, seven years later I would absolutely you know eyes roll back in back of my head with excitement to see something like that yeah <laughs> um and and just now being able to have photos of it or things like uh, tri stars. Yeah, it, it's nice just to take the trip down memory lane. But 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 to, but to have a photo of it as well now. Yeah, yeah, it's nice to surprise yourself and say, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah, hundred oh, percent. Nice. Or, or or literally genuine. As I said, things that just you, you didn't know what they were at the time, but still took a picture of for some reason. But I uh, did surprise myself uh, last week because I put a picture of a vegan up, which was from Waddington 2014, which I found. Uh, strangely enough, that air show that year, some chap put a post on the fighter control Facebook group saying he got a ticket in one of the enclosures for some magazine or something like that. And did anybody want it? And I saw it. It posted been up for like 25 minutes and no one had commented. So I thought, oh yeah, I'll have it, please. And thinking it's a bit dubious, but sure enough, me and my dad had a nice enclosure for that. which is great fair enough yeah I I completely forgot about those photos and uh, I went through and found that one of the vegan stuck that on it's it's nice things that you've you've forgotten about um, you know going across it and like I said the ones that I've scanned as well it's been quite surprising because they've just sat in an album in the loft for the last goodness knows how many years so it's nice to have a look through and I've got some cracking ones from RF Valley as well I've got some really good slides as well which I've seen had a, a quick look through uh, through the through the conservatory roof, uh, some nice some nice sea harriers coming in one day. Lovely. Remember that? Oh, you're tempting us too much. You yeah. you have to get them online pretty quick. Yeah, man. So looking back at old photos, one of the things is not only choosing old photos and looking at what you what photo you chose to edit, um, 
but in the first years it's looking at how you edited stuff so you know in the first couple of years I edited all my stuff with um, that Nikon software that, that came with the camera I can't mm. remember what it was called it's from like Capture 2 or something it's pretty crap anyway it was Lightroom-esque but there was not really much in it um, and some of the stuff I was trying god it was awful I was like <laughs> I, was, I was really obsessed with the saturation bar for some reason I just kept maxing it out um, it is. It is also being able to go back and just correct the mistakes that you made that you didn't necessarily know at the time. Um, like I, you know, I've obviously I was telling you guys about this a, few, uh, a couple of months ago, maybe. Um, so obviously, you, people know that I went to the uh, the Wonsan International Air Festival, uh, the North Korean Air Show in 2016, and it's and 2016 I. I definitely had a grip on what i was doing at that point but i think when i went there it was like okay this is a once in a lifetime opportunity i'm gonna have to make the most of this and apparently that what that involved in my head was basically just tilting about 50 percent of my photos 45 degrees <laughs> the old polish horizon <laughs> the old polish horizon but done but done wrong <laughs> yeah it's difficult to do right but stuff like that that sort of creative mindset you know, it sticks with you for about four months and you look back and you go what the bloody hell was i doing yeah 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 and i'm and i'm, I'm there thinking oh look at these amazing artist shots i'm getting of of North Korean MiG 21s and Su 25s, and then I get home and it was just like, this is what this is. I, I can't do anything with this. This is absolutely worthless. <laughs> what a complete waste of time. Just garbage. <laughs> um, but having gone over that album since then, uh, in the last few months, was discovering uh, with a, with a much greater knowledge of processing and editing now, being able to, t- and it's a remarkable testament to the piece of technology that the software that Adobe have put together. Being able to take some of those photos of a Su-25 at 45 degrees and basically just use a content-aware crop to spin it round and suddenly it's an actual photo. It's been amazing. And I've come away with, you know, even more photos of North Korean fighter jets than I had before. But 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 again, it's, it's going through and finding photos that you, you at the time you didn't think there was a photo there that now actually with a greater amount of knowledge. And technical software. And technical mm. software and, and experience, you you see a photo that you didn't see the first time round. But it was, it was it's going slightly back actually. It's funny you mentioned about obviously taking a film with you and film cameras, um, Ian, because I don't know where I saw it. I don't know if I read it. I don't know if I was told it. But there's a story I've seen of how because you know you take take film cameras to an air show and you'd have maybe a hundred shots in a day that you could take. Someone was telling me a story of in the Friends of Riyadh, or Fre- uh, Friends of Ayat enclosure, and in the grandstand there was a, a Japanese guy who'd come over for the air show, and apparently bought two tickets, two seats, and had brought someone with him whose job exclusively all day was to restock cameras with film as they were going past. So he was shooting it like it was a DSLR. And was then just as soon as his camera was empty, handed it over. The guy swapped the film out, gave him another camera that had been preloaded with film, which is mad. <laughs> like, a, like a machine gun post. Like bin bags of film with him. I imagine, oh, what's that guy's name from Rogue One? Um, guy who has the backpack with all the ammo. Oh, with the ammo in it for, with you know, that amazing weapon. I just, yeah, or something, yeah, I just imagine someone with a backpack of film, you know, like someone holding the film at an angle to make sure it doesn't, you know, misfeed or something. I'm, I'm one with the film, and the film is with me. Just a Star Wars reference. Do you know? I, I don't know what year it was. Might have been 2002, 2003, or something like that. Um, went to Waddington, and I was 
shooting all the static before the, the show started or whatever going around and uh, I remember looking at the uh, image counter on the back of the camera and it had gone past 36 and I'm thinking oh yeah I might get 38 out of this film and just carried on going and going and going and going until I realised oh shit I ain't put a film in this one <laughs> I'll, I'll bet that that's happened to many a season owl. How many SR seventy one afterburner topside shots have been lost to empty cameras? Do you think <laughs> it's kind of a weird thought, actually? Like, like, yeah, I think about it more than is healthy, probably. <clears throat> but I wonder what's been lost because of things like that. Like, possibly the world's best aviation shot could have been lost because there's just no film in the camera or something. Hmm. Or, or how many seismic events just in human history? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just applying it to the hobby, but yeah, yeah. absolutely. No, no, like, I know, but it's an it's a very interesting thought. Like, I wonder how many people's pictures I'm accidentally in the background of. Like, am I mm-hmm. on someone's mantelpiece? <laughs> Not even an airship, just enjoying a holiday with mum and dad, or you know, my family when I was like nine or something, and someone took yeah. a picture of the kids at the zoo. Whereas that, virtually nothing can possibly go undocumented now. Weird thoughts. Maybe they need um, some sort of life reverse image search or something. I'm, sh- I'm sure the tin foil hat on. I'm sure the technology's out there somewhere. To talk about the editing, um, I was never hugely into Polish Horizons because I'm well. Every time I tried it, I was, it was crap. But every Polish Horizon I've seen looks better when the aircraft is going uphill and not downhill. It just looks weird going downhill. But um, I was weirdly obsessed with um, vignetting. <laughs> I'm not long out of that face, and I think it works in poor or grey weather. It, it, it works very well if there's on, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But I, you know, on a nice sunny day. But loads of my images have them, and I only did them so faintly. But just because I've got so many images with them in, I just can't be asked to go back. <laughs> so I might just have to accept that I had a, a vignetting phase or a colour popping phase or something. <laughs> I had a colour popping face pretty early on and it was just awful it's just when you discover a new toy isn't it yeah or a new word or a new word <laughs> what have I been using loads in the group chat guys um, well, it's not a new word like I know it but it's um, oh, ostensibly I'm just, I'm just really feeling it at the moment it's just somehow really powerful <laughs> so I just use it all the time uh, it's like that kid on YouTube that's just learned the word apparently it's like apparently apparently <laughs> Yeah, slightly off topic, but that reminds me. I, I remember when I was reading, you know, Terry Pratchett books almost voraciously, and I could always tell when he discovered a new word or a new phrase because because a single book would just be peppered with this phrase, and then no, none others would. So, anyway, <laughs> um, uh, so so what's your workflow? You know, so you come home from an air show or something. Um, what do you do? Do you get your images onto the hard drive and then go straight to sleep, or do you have a quick peruse? You know. What's uh, what do you do there? I think the first thing I would do would be to put them on the hard. Well, it, it depends what I'm doing. If I'm at a Riyadh or abroad, I'll have my laptop, Chromebook, um, and I will transfer them onto an external hard drive. Both both to make sure I've got an empty SD card if I'm doing more shooting, but also just to make sure they're backed up. If I if I'm going straight back home, I'll put them onto the hard drive first, and then probably won't touch them for another day because I don't I I, I you lose interest in the photos I think if you've spent the whole day taking them and then per- personally I'm talking about lose interest in the photos if I've spent the whole day taking them and then um, spend the entire evening shooting them but this is this is something that's always amazed me if for example Northolt night shoots now I live about 20 well 30 minutes drive from Northolt uh, at the moment and 
it would amaze me how I could go to a Northup night shoot and by the time I got home, people already had full photo sets on the forum. Genuinely, I'd find that amazing. Yeah. And I mean, fine if you know they they can't wait to get home and look at them. I just yeah, it's, I I. I think I'd probably hate the photos if I got home and had to edit them <laughs> straight away. So, from the... Um, assuming that they haven't managed to get home that quickly, and they've got home, like, half an hour and got a full photo set up, unless there are loads of people that live within 30 minutes of Northolt. I um, think it's people staying in hotels. Yeah, okay. Well, so well, so I remember during React when Andy did his live arrivals, I used to supplement his threads with my own threads from... Um, so Andy would be at Parkview East, and you, well, probably you and mm-hmm. I, and some other people would be at West, and it would be like the alternate angle. Um, so I would drop some images online that evening from the alternate view, because the alternative view, because I knew people would be excited to see the aircraft that they wanted to see, and it was good to get some clicks on the forum. And also, I won't lie, it was good for like I wanted to get those photos out there, like um, but I, I, you know I do want to get those images out there. But I look back on those photos. It was normally after I'd eaten, or just before I went to bed, and they they were just junk. Mm-hmm. I, I was knackered, and <coughs> I was knackered, and my eyes were staring at a computer screen where they'd been staring into the sun all day, and they were just awful. So you yeah. know, because it's a very visceral day. And I get to the hotel, and I just have had a pizza or a Five Guys or something, probably have a poo brewing, and they were just junk. And I I'd have to get rid of a lot of them. But the main motivation was because people were excited and in addition to Andy's excellent live arrivals, people seemed keen to see as much as possible, you know? Um, you know, Maybe something cool had happened mm. at West, or maybe stuff was landing on 09 and been rolling to the eastern end. So the main reason was to supplement that. But a week after the show, when I looked back, I'd be like, Christ, these are awful. And <laughs> I'd, get, <laughs> I'd get rid of them really quickly and re-upload you know, proper images taken with and looked at through some fresh eyes so I'm not sure about immediately uploading things um, you know, sometimes you come back from a show and you know you've seen a cool moment like a topside you're after or something and you're keen to see yeah. that and you're just like well, yeah. I want to know that that yeah. photo is there but I just want to know that it looks as okay as it does on the camera screen um, so yeah, you can, yeah I can understand that as well for me there's two there's two points there's the immediate the absolute immediacy of being able to transfer photos off my camera onto my phone edit them on my phone with the lightroom app and upload them to wherever um or there's doing it you know day day or two afterwards but i wouldn't yeah in in a proper editing uh process and if you're going to do it properly you've got to have fresh eyes it's like writing having fresh eyes is key you know maybe one quickly on the phone for social media or something fair enough but I've not seen a photographer whose photos were approved or <laughs> improved. Don't know why I said approved, but yeah, who, whose photos were um, not improved yeah. by them having a few days mm. to uh, to decompress and then have a look at them. Well, I, I, speaking of approved photos on social media, well, so so yeah, so to, Tom's. We've been talking about this for a while um, because it's a bit of a plague on the hobby, and. Well, plague, but it, it's a very, very frustrating <laughs> river of blood, toads, <laughs> death of the firstborn, and now this. It's it's one of the most frustrating things as a photographer to have to find your photo has been 
just taken and posted by other people very often without credit and sometimes gone to the extreme of actually removing identifying marks and watermarks and the like so tom has actually prepared for us some completely legally binding and court admissible uh advice on the subject of image <laughs> copyrights it's 100 percent not that um so I make no secret that I'm a lawyer and I'm an aspirant solicitor. I make no secret of the fact that I'm a lawyer. <laughs> I make no, I'm not I make ashamed no secret of, that I'm, uh, of the fact that I'm a wannabe uh, legal eagle. I'm currently a trainee solicitor. I worked in planning for a couple of years. I hung up those spurs, went back to uni in 2017 um, into 2018, uh, <clears throat> and now I'm a trainee solicitor. I work for a law firm in Cardiff. Um, I won't say who it is, but a very small part of what we do, and it is very small, um, and I'm not very involved in it, is to do with photocopyright. So I'm a trainee solicitor. I've done my law degree and follow-up courses, so hopefully I'm a little bit better equipped to decipher... Um, but there's so much jargon online, that's the problem. Otherwise I would have said, oh, guys, look, this is a really good website, really good guide, just go to X, Y, and Z. But, the, but there isn't really one there. Um, uh, you know, The best website is, is um, perhaps practical law, um, but even that's full of legal jargon. So um, I thought it might be interesting if I could talk about copyright law, what it is, um, because not that many people know. And um, I'm just going to talk about sort of your average spotter. So I'm going to talk about you guys, me, air show goers, people at the loop, SPTA, or anything. What I'm not doing is talking about those who are employed to take photos or anything else like that. And um, you guys will know what's coming. None of this is legal advice. It's not given by someone who is qualified to give advice as a solicitor. It's some commentary by someone who is a trainee solicitor, but not legal advice. It's not binding, contrary to what Sam said. <laughs> um, I'm just talking about copyright law from the materials that are publicly available. And if anyone does actually have any queries, they should very much speak to a solicitor. Um, so there we are. That's the that's the boring bit out of the way. Um, so not that many people... So everyone knows what copyright as a, as a concept. Not that many people know about copyright law, or perhaps even what it is. So, um, what is it? What are birds? <laughs> yeah, what are copyright? Um, copyright is a mark of ownership. It's a mark of ownership on a particular work produced by someone. That means that the moment the shutter clicks on your camera and you have taken that image and it's on your SD card, copyright exists and it's yours as the photographer. You have that copyright. Um, slight debate over a final image. So just for the sake of argument, the image is either created when you create it or at the moment that you click save after editing. Um, for most situations, they're one and the same in that no one else has seen it between it going onto your SD card and it being exported out of Lightroom or Photoshop. Um, so we'll treat it as the same thing. So the copyright is yours because you're the, the person that's created that image. How long does copyright last? Um, well, hopefully a long time. Um, and I hope that um, all of us and all of our listeners live long and happy lives. Copyright lasts for 70 years from the date of your death. It's nothing to do with the image, the date of the image. You own it from its creation for your whole life plus 70 years. Um so what does copyright mean? Well, someone who has copyright has the exclusive right to reproduce that image. 
and if anyone uses or reproduces that image without your permission is committing copyright infringement. So hopefully that you know none of this is actually very controversial and you, you might sort of you know, realize that we're covering ground that you probably already knew. Um, but someone who creates an image is called an image owner in law and that comes into play whenever an image is reproduced however that happens through magazines, insta spammers, forums, whatever wherever that image is produced you have the copyright um, now as far as I'm aware and I've had a quick look but um, I couldn't find anything to that caused me concern that it was slightly different someone who takes your image and credits your either your name or directs the people who view that image to your website or your social media profile or whatever it's still a breach because the breach is in the reproduction of the image it's nothing to do with whether they give you credit or not it's slightly different if they embed your tweet on a website um, that gets a little bit complicated but if someone just from their own profile posts your image and says credit to you know at either Tommy J or at Tom D Jones or who, who whatever um, then that's still a breach so unless they've said can I have permission to use this image for X and unless you've said yes and in what way then regardless of how much credit they give you um, or um, oh, what's that thing online um, credit to credit to what's yeah yeah something like, yeah credit to author yeah <laughs> That's still a breach. So unless someone has asked you permission and you've agreed to it, they can't just ask willy-nilly, you have to agree to it, then it's a breach. There are um, a lot of people on Instagram, and Twitter and other places, but just Instagram as an example, and myself included, um, who give blanket permissions. So we will say on our profile, reposting is fine with credit. Well, that's okay. You're giving permission to the world, to anyone, to reproduce the image however they like to reproduce it as long as they credit you um, and you know that's something that, that you need to sort of think about a little bit because it doesn't say you can only reproduce it on Instagram um, so it might be worth maybe making that clear maybe I'll change mine but you know you can give permission to the world and, and then people can go on your profile reproduce your Im image with credit um, uh, credit to author yeah <laughs> If, if I can just interject at that point, it yeah. is also possible with things like Creative Commons licenses um, that when you put a picture, an image online under Creative Commons license, um, and there are a few different licenses, but, but I think at least possibly all of them, but at least most of them mean people can use them as open, it's like open source Creative Commons licenses, but they have to credit it. They have to, wherever it's reproduced, they have to put credit, but that's an open license to do it. Yeah, and anyone... So we're saying Creative Commons sources aren't automatic. You have to elect for your image to be CC Commons. So anyone who has elected for their yep. images to be under Creative Commons and to put them that way will likely understand that's how their images are used. But you're absolutely right. Um, there are loads of exceptions. For example, whilst you take an image when you're employed, there might be yep. two copyright hone, uh, excuse me, two copyright holders, you and your employer, or even just depending on the contract, it could just all be the employer or it could all be you. Um, so it all starts to get messy, but you're absolutely right. Creative Commons licenses, and there are several, several different ones, they exist, and they're all a little bit heavy and messy because of the international stuff that's associated. But the baseline copyright law in the UK is that if you take, well, England and Wales, sorry, if you take a picture, it's your picture unless you agree to share it, unauthorized, sorry, it's your picture, 
and unless you agree to share it or you know for someone to reproduce it unauthorized reproduction is a breach when you give permission it's called a license it's permission to someone else to use your particular image in a particular way that without that permission would be a breach um, most licenses you have to be quite careful with if someone says I want to use your image what does that mean does that mean they only want to use it once does that mean they want to use it on social media on which platforms of social media does it mean they want to use it in magazines or in books or on corporate banners or do they want to keep it on file for repeated use every time you know that particular thing that the image has in it comes up you know so you've got to be very careful when you allow someone the license to use your image because if you're not careful they could absolutely run with it and then you don't really have much to say actually I don't want you using that they could turn around and say well tough you gave you gave us license to do it um, but being careful doesn't mean you have to sit down and open loads of legal textbooks it just means that you need to be very clear about what you want it to be used for so normally someone will say I just want to post your image on my profile and all you need to do is say yes you can I give you permission to post the image once on your Instagram main feed that, that's it that's a license you know that's permission it defines what the image is to be used for it defines where it's to be shared and how many times that's normally enough you know um, so bare bones a license gives someone permission to reproduce your work um, so I don't think any of this is controversial but a lot of people don't know exactly what the remedies are what they have available to them if they find a breach of copyright and a lot of people like to wave these legal letters around but they might not understand actually what's open to them so there are two main legal remedies the first is quite high-end and that's to convince a court to grant an injunction to prevent someone from reproducing your image an injunction is a court order for someone to do or to not do something and if that's um, breached or ignored, <coughs> excuse me, it's contempt of court. And if someone is in contempt of court, one of the sanctions or one of the penalties there is is um, uh, a spell in prison. So it's quite a serious thing, you know, um, an injunction. What a court can also do is order delivery up of the images, and that normally applies to sort of um, scans or um, actual prints of something. And it's sort of harkens back to um, to age before digital media but it can mean digital copies too and it's an order for a person to send back all the reproductions that they have made of your image so if they've got on their hard drive if they've got prints if they've got negatives if they've got slides whatever it's ordering them to send those back and a court can also order destruction um, and what that means is the court says to a person, it's pretty simple, it's on the tin really, it says to a person, you must destroy all copies of this image that you have and you must confirm to the court that you've done that. And again, you know, if you're not doing, if you sort of lie to the court, it's contempt of court again. Um, so, uh, so it can be quite heavy. Um, next thing to talk about, does anyone know what the copyright symbol means? The little C in a circle, do you guys know? nothing absolutely nothing in statute it means nothing it's just an abbreviation but the actual symbol itself means little in law I have it in my watermark um, because it's shortened to say you know copyright Tom Jones um, so therefore the small c is the shortening and it says copyright Tom D Jones people know this work is copyrighted under the name of Tom D Jones it's probably unnecessary watermarks are good because it attaches your name to the image um, you don't really need to say that the image is under that copyright because 
your name's already on there. It's pretty obvious. Um, I don't know why I put Joe Blogs on there, for example, if it's my image. But there we are. The copyright C symbol doesn't mean anything um, in in copyright law that we're talking about. Um, watermarks are good though because you know if the image is nicked and reproduced somewhere else, unless they clone it out, and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, it's good that your name is bolted onto that image. There's, you know, even if they nick it off your profile, it's still on that image, and they share it somewhere else. Your name is still there. And the other thing it's good for is not strictly a copyright reason, but you might have several different weird handles. You know, um, James O three eight seven underscore, you know, Catman or something on Twitter or whatever. You know, you might have these. Um, sort of weird names, but you just want your name to be on that image, so you know, you can watermark it with your actual name. Um, so, you know, they can be quite useful. Um, so yeah, you know, watermarking an image is, is very good. And some people like to watermark, you know, the all over their image, and it's a destructive act, so that the image itself with the watermark is destroyed. Um, you can do that. In my opinion, it reduces the quality of the image. Um, in my opinion, the right balance is just to have a watermark in a, in a corner somewhere but if you're really concerned maybe make a very faint one and very small and put it in a dark area or you know like in an engine intake or something but um that's style you know rather than copyright so back to actual copyright then um another thing a lot of people talk about is facebook does facebook have copyright um in short, yes. Actually, Tom, I've I copied and pasted a status. <laughs> yeah, well, don't be like Bob. Is it that one? Don't be. You know, everyone share the post. Don't be like Bob. <laughs> well, anyway, I've had a quick look, and as far as I can tell, I don't think that this has been updated. So, in April 2017, Facebook's terms changed, and it gave it a worldwide non-exclusive license to use property content posted on Facebook. The interesting part is that that lasts for as long as the image is on Facebook. So even if you are the person who's taken the image and you've removed all of your images from Facebook, if someone else has used it, and I mean used it, not shared your own post or something, but actually used it in their post somewhere else, then that image is still on Facebook and the site still has the license to use it. Um, on its face, it makes a lot of people worry because you think, oh my God, you know, you're granting license for every single one of my images to be used. If you think about it from a practical point of view, Facebook is a global multi-billion dollar website with, I don't know how many, two-thirds of the world's population on it. It's a huge thing. Will it be interested in your one photo or two photos? Probably not. Will it deter people? No. But um, but there we are. So that's a license to use things on its own site. And you know, if you're not happy with that, don't use Facebook. Um, I think on some level, if you're posting images online, you have to be prepared for the possibility that your image will be taken. Not that that makes it right, um, but I think that's the risk that people accept when they post images online. Um, and unfortunately, there's not a tremendous amount that can be done to stop it from happening. And the main reason why it's so difficult to, st um, to, to stop it from happening is that very few people make money from this kind of practice. You know, even those Insta spam accounts, even if they are making money, they probably won't be making it all from your image. And if they are, it's probably, you know, tuppence, absolutely nothing. Um, the money is made because of their feed as a whole, rather than your particular image. Um, 
there's not really a way you can take them to court and you've got to pay all your legal fees, your court fees, your solicitors, everything else for, for a cut of their profits. And even then, it's their fees as a whole. How do you divide it? You know, do you, do you divide it up by the number of likes each image you get? It just gets so complicated. And um, any money that you would ever have have got back would just be eaten up by legal fees and you'll just be out of pocket. So there's not really much point. So rightly or wrong, well, I was going to say rightly or wrongly, always wrongly, but when someone nicks your images, it's frustrating as hell. But that's what you've got to look at from a practical point of view. Are they making money from my image? And if it's an account with 10 followers and it gets 20 likes, is there any point in pursuing it beyond a DM to say, hi, this is my image, please take it down? Probably not. The first thing to do when you realise that it's happened is just to remain calm. It's a really simple thing, but you'd be surprised how you feel when you see that it's happened. It's really, really annoying to see someone steal your image, especially on Instagram, when it's like you've posted it and you've got 100 likes or something, and then they've done it, they've got 1,000, you just think, ah, oh, you bastard. <laughs> um, but remain calm, take a screenshot, and you know, go and have dinner go and sleep on it. And I, I tell you this now, nothing has ever been accomplished with a hot head and a pissy letter that couldn't have been better dealt with or done better after you've had some dinner, slept on it, come back fresh the next morning. So take a screenshot when you find it so you can refer to it just in case they delete it or something and then you know. Although I suppose if they deleted it then you, your problem solved. But you know, take a screenshot and, uh, and, and just leave it for, you know, for a couple of hours. Calm down. The first practical actual step is to contact the profile. Um, most sites have a DM function now. Most places um, have like a like a way to to contact the users. Um, if they don't respond, then contact the web administrator or whoever owns the site where the image is posted. Talking about UCAR, most of the older forums like ours will have rules that say that photo content posted must be your own or have the permission of the copyright owner to be posted. Um, Speaking as a moderator of UCAR, we take that sort of thing very, very seriously. And if it can be proved to us that um, an image has been posted without permission, then then we'll take it down. Um, and um, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll do what we can. Big social media sites like Twitter and Facebook, you know, they've got entire teams and policies and procedures to deal with these sorts of copyright issues. So you know, if you can't contact the um, user that's posted the image, then take it. A level up and contact where they've hosted it, um, and you've got to be able to prove that it's your image, you know, and and that should shouldn't be too hard to do, um, but you've got to make sure. And there are a lot of people that have, I've I've been contacted before when I've posted an image, and it's actually been a bloke that's been stood like two people down from me at Riyadh or something, you know, and they've got nearly an identical thing, and I've actually said, well, actually here's mine and here's yours, and there's a cloud slightly different or something. Um, make sure you can definitely prove that it's your image. If the website host or the user are both non-cooperative, you can contact the internet service provider. Um, they won't really do a tremendous amount, but they might be able to point you in the direction of someone who can. Um, so as a last-ditch attempt, maybe that's a, a course of action. Um, if you're worried about your work, um, well, let's take an example. I was really happy with um, an image that I took that I know no one else took because I was the only one there um, uh, a couple of years ago. And periodically, I'd reverse search that image on Google. And it's really surprising to see where that image ends up. It's, it's quite illuminating, actually. Um, 
and so for your more exclusive shots, I'm not talking about you, you ones with thousands of others will have nearly identical because um, the Google algorithm isn't that good and you'll, you'll just pick up loads of other people's shots. But if you've got a, a pretty exclusive shot that might be of interest to someone, then 100% um, use a Google reverse search on it and you'll be so surprised at where it ends up. Um, and, and that's always a good way to find out who's used it. Because obviously people might be using your images and you might not have an idea because you know, they're not going to stop and tell you, are they? So um, yeah, that's that's a, that's a, a worthwhile thing to do. Um, so you try contacting them, nothing's happened, you haven't resolved it. The next stage is to write a formal letter. Um, but you can't simply wave around a blank legal template letter, have one in your pocket ready to, 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 to flip out at them. It needs to be specific to the image. Set out the image, prove your ownership, be specific. Say here's my image, and say what you want to what you what you want to happen. A lot of people forget that. Excuse me, forget that. You know, say what you want, whether it's payment or credit or deletion or a couple of bobs charity. Say what you want out of the process. You've got to have an objective. People write these letters and say that's my image, and the other people have turned around and gone, okay, great, fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they've forgotten to put in the letter what they actually want from from the process. Beyond writing a letter, there's not a tremendous amount else you can do, unfortunately. Um, the next stage beyond that, if you can't resolve it, is to contact lawyers. But that's where costs start racking up. So you need to look at it, you need to think, and this goes back to what I was saying before, are they making anything I can get back here? Are they making any money? Is it worth, financially, is it worth getting legal costs started and getting those running for that? And some people might say, yeah, and they'll have the resources to do it, and they'll have the resources to take on that risk. Um, and lawyers can get a letter out, they can pay the court key uh, fees and get a claim running. Fine. But for most people, I would imagine that's where it sort of starts to think, oh, it's not worth going pursuing this. If you do get the lawyers involved, um, if you're successful in a, uh, in a claim, the normal procedure, not always, but the normal procedure in civil cases is that the loser pays the winner's costs. But that's a huge risk. So you might get your money back, but that's a huge risk, and that, that's at the end of proceedings. So you'll still need to fork out for all these court fees to get there, and you might, 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 might get them paid back. So it's a huge gamble, and 99.999% of images won't be worth going that far for. So you, know, you might just have to sort of swallow your pride and, uh, and just think, oh, there we are then. The last thing I'll say on copyright is um, you need to watch out for defamation. Um, what defamation is, is saying uh, something false about an organisation or a person that causes them a loss. Um, what does that mean? It's all legal jargon, sorry. Um, be careful, when you've got nowhere else to turn, you know, and it's not worth pursuing, your letters have gone ignored, your DMs have gone ignored, it's not worth going to the lawyers, you can feel really um, annoyed because you've got nowhere mm. else to go and that's perfectly understandable. But what you've got to be very careful of doing no matter the temptation, and it is tempting, is to say, look at this website, look at this person, blah, 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 blah. And if you say something in the heat of the moment that you'll regret, that's untrue, then they could pursue you if you slag them off online and it's caused them to lose money or something, you know, if you've left negative reviews. So always remain calm. Avoid the temptation, no matter how pressing it is. And trust me, I've been there. To slag someone off online, just, again, breathe, go and have dinner, and and, uh, and and let it go. It's always better to do that, unfortunately. Um, so that's copyright in a brief nutshell. And um, just to sort of round it, tie it off, I've got two different cases that happened to me recently 
that show two different ways of dealing with things. The first was um, uh, uh, Yeovil is one of my favourite places to go at the moment um, to go spotting, and I saw a Philippine Navy Wildcat, one of only two, um, and it was sort of doing tests before delivery, and I managed to get an image of it. I was really happy with it, and I put it online. And there's loads of YouTube videos and Instagram accounts from Philippine defence uh, profiles and defence Twitter and stuff that have used my images none of them have asked me and they've used it said look you know we've just taken delivery of two wildcats and there's, there's loads of them but they've all got like 100 200 views or likes or something and to be honest i was just flattered that they used my image i was a bit irked what they've done is they cloned out my watermark and they didn't give me credit that annoyed me because there's sort of like a dishonesty element then when they actually actively clone out the watermark but i'm clearly not going to get anything back the added issue as well is that it's an international thing it's not it's not like a you know, confined in the UK, so a, a completely separate legal system as well. It's not worth even bothering, even thinking about. So I was just flattered. Um, the emotion I chose to have was to be flattered that they thought I had an image good enough by them to use, and and that was great. The reverse um, is still ongoing, so I can't say too much. But I I had an image, um, and I uh, did a reverse search. I found that Professional Magazine, which was quite weird, but Professional Magazine had used one of my images without consent, cloned out my watermark, and they charged a fee for that magazine for each issue. Um, I, I don't know, like a standard magazine rate, four pound fifty, five pound or something for each magazine. So that was a professional journalist outlet, and um, I thought they should be doing better than that. And they were charging for their magazines. All right, you know, 70 page magazine, loads of images in it, of which mine was just one. But the point is, they were making money um, and they should have paid me whatever standard rate they use for their for their image contributions. So I found their address, contacted them, sent them a letter and an invoice. And I can't say a tremendous amount more beyond that because um, we're sort of still, that's still going on. But I thought, well, they're making money here and, and my image is part of that. And if they'd have just asked, I probably would have given them license or, you know, I would have just been happy to have my name in print because it's great, but you know, and I know that they removed my watermark. I know that they did that because it, the image itself wasn't uploaded to the internet without a watermark. Um, so it was really hard not to slag that magazine off online. It's really hard not to write a really grumpy, pissy email. Um, it's hard even now here not to say exactly the full details of the case, but you have to bite your tongue a little bit. So, um, so there we are. That, <laughs> that concludes my TED talk. Thank well, you. That's, um, that's, yeah. <laughs> so, have you guys ever had um, your images uh, nicked? Um, I've had quite a few motorsport images nicked, actually, uh, and annoyingly. In, going in back. What, in what context? Where have they been used? Um, a couple of them have been used in some. Well, it was touring car images from about five or six years ago, um, and then I, I upload everything. Uh, on Flickr, do it low res, but with a watermark, uh, and they cloned the watermark out and just stuck it on their own website. Um, and it, I don't think it, it was a, a website um, journalism kind of thing, but it was like a bedroom site, it was nothing professional. But they tried to get access to a lot of motorsport events over the last you know, five or six years. I don't know whether they're still going there. Um, but the pictures that I got uh, were from Silverstone and there was a series of photos where I just held the shutter down and a car came round at the end of the first lap got nudged and there was a series of photos where it was spun round and I know I was the only person that got this whole set of photos mm. and uh, yeah they'd, they'd taken 
the whole lot and put them on there. Like, yeah, we've got this great series of images here that we took when we were at Silverstone, blah, blah, blah. And I sent them a message and they were taken down. And there was an image that was, uh, again, another crap image that I took years ago of a, a Saudi typhoon going through the Mac loop. And um, somebody asked me for it and I sent it over uh, along it's probably quite naive of me uh, it was some Saudi magazine or something it said can we have it and we'll um, have your bank details and whatever um, not quite like that but that sort of thing so I sent the, sent the image over expecting to get something back for it and uh, didn't hear anything and then I found that the image uh, had been used in a magazine but it was only a small bit and it wasn't a big magazine it was just some Saudi thing nothing just <laughs> like an international arbitration <laughs> no <laughs> but I mean we got me going back sort of 15 odd years so I wasn't that miffed um, the other thing that there's one thing when some uh, Belgian F-16s did the Mac loop uh, I think it was two or three years ago uh, 2017 yes that was it specially painted one went through and the chap who uh, painted it got in touch with me to ask whether he could use it in uh, a magazine that he was in and you know I, I wasn't bothered about making money from it I was just chuffed that they'd asked or he'd asked to use it and uh, I sent him a couple of copies over and it went in this magazine he sent me a copy of it and I was quite pleased because it was a, I think it was a centre page spread but then I found that that picture had been used in a couple of other magazines as well so it had been sent on um, so that's being careful about the license used. That's a perfect example. If someone says, yeah. can I have it? And you go, yeah, sure. You need to be careful because you know, what you need to say is yes, but only yeah. on X, Y, and Z basis. But yeah, that's that's an absolutely perfect example of you just saying yes and them just absolutely, yeah. you, know, you, you gave an inch and they took a mile. The, the, the problem with, with stuff, with, with putting stuff on the internet or sending them out is as soon as you put an image on the internet or you send it to another person you've lost control of that image yeah completely and, and you can put licenses on it you can say you can do this you can do that but you know you can't physically stop them clicking a mouse to send it to someone or stop them cloning it out cloning a watermark out and all that sort of thing and that that's something that you people possibly don't really get about the internet is as soon as something's on the internet you, it's gone mm. Mm. yeah and and that's why I was saying that you just have to accept that there's a risk of it happening. Um, you And for many people, they're happy yeah. to take that risk, myself included, for the sake of being able to put their image out there to show their friends or to raise their profile. But yeah, that there is that inherent risk and that, that has to be accepted. It doesn't stop you trying to do something to sort it out if it happens. But yeah, the, the risk is there. Just before we go off, before we finish, not going off on a tangent, but it's a similar kind of thing. People are asking for your photos. It's, do you actually put a charge on it, or do you say, yes, you can use it for free? Yeah. I think this is something for another podcast if we do something else on photography, but I think if you decide you want to charge for someone to use a photo, you're going to have at least 100 people behind you that will say, you can use mine for free. I've had it, people asking for photos for books. Um, some chap years ago wanted to use a photo for a book, that he was selling on Amazon, but he couldn't afford to uh, pay a fee for it. And I looked at some of the books that he had sold, and he must have made about, I think it was probably about the equivalent to 10,000 Australian dollars or something like that, that he'd made. And he couldn't afford you know, 
to pay 50 quid, say, for, for a photo or something, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. I, as far as I'm concerned, if I think they're going to be making money off it, I'm going to yeah. charge them for yeah. it. And, and I, I've had occasions where I've said they won't pay for it, and I've said, okay, then no. I think absolutely, and um, even if you don't charge a huge amount, um, you, know, you manage to cover your lunch or your petrol for the, for the day, you should be, really. People yeah. should be asking fees um, or if they're not interested in fees, then yeah, they should at least cause the people who want to use your image to part with money um, and get them to donate some money to a charity or something. Yeah. Um, and then, because otherwise, it just encourages that that behaviour. And yeah. then you're going down the route of, oh, well, we'll pay you an exposure, mm. <laughs> that kind of thing, which is just a whole another level of awfulness that's set into the modern world. I'm sort of being a hypocrite because. Um, I would have been happy for that magazine to have featured my image and f- you know, for me to have had that exposure. But you know, thinking about it now, I probably would have said, just send a, a tenor to historic helicopters or you know, um, cancer research or something, you know, mm. um, to to get away from that. The culture. Ph- photography world is bad for it. Yeah, well, all industries you know know it, but, but I um, think yeah, it's, it's always worth a punt. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you should never work for free anyway. <laughs> um. I think that's probably a good amount for a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably a better <laughs> way I could, <laughs> could finish that on. But I'm not going to put that in. Cool. Well, I, I hope you've enjoyed our chat about photography. I'm sure there are any number of photographers listening to this. Uh, particularly Tom's uh, talk about copyright has been really, really illuminating and I hope it's been of good use to people listening because, there, as he said, there is a lot of misinformation out there. Uh, as always, you can you can actually post your photos on our forums as well. Uh, and actually, the, our forums have always been a fantastic location for high-quality photography, of a- aviation photography. Uh, if you want to, you can, you can do so at forums.airshows.co.uk and otherwise you can read our articles which are always accompanied by high quality photography at airshows.co.uk you can follow the podcast on Spotify SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts if you know anyone, photographer or otherwise who's into aviation and airshows and doesn't yet know about the podcast please tell them because we we always like to to know that it's being spread around with or without our license um (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah um, thanks for listening um, and see you for another episode